or forsake you. Amen. Aren't you glad for his presence this morning? Amen. Aren't you glad for the presence this morning? Amen. I noticed as we started ending the end of, of, uh, of our worship practice, the music practice, people were coming in and they felt the anointing. They felt the presence of God. And that's because of praise. I was talking to my wife this morning about it and, and, and having a little fun, but I, I'm serious right now. There is a principle with praise that comes from God as strong as the law of physics or the law of inertia. It does not change whether you're alone in a secret place, two or three or if in one accord, God inhabits the praises of his people. There is no increase or decrease. It's a fact. It's there. You can't blow it up. You can't diminish it. It's a fact that God inhabits the praises of his people. You can't manipulate it. You can't spin it. You can't tie it in a bow and say, if you do this or if you do that. No, if you open your mouth and praise God, he will inhabit There's a lot of laws like that that we see that we question other, other, other faiths maybe about healing and Jesus healing because Jesus is God and his laws do not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. That's for us. We taste and see. Oh, Lord, in the morning do I direct my prayer. Amen. Because he's there, he's always there. My prayer is a new prayer. My praise might be a new praise to me, but to him, he said, I will inhabit that praise. Amen. God is good. That's what I felt this morning when I woke up, when I prayed, when I came to church, when I prayed some more, when we started singing that song. Praise God. I was joking with Brother Jorge, and I said, I feel that way every time we sing that song. I do. I allow God just to, just to flow through me and do that. And that was awesome. Amen. Because God, God respects his laws. Amen. Aren't you glad? Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. You guys can be seated. We're going to read some scripture, and I want to, it, it's actually kind of unique for me. You can be seated. Uh, we're going to actually read quite a bit of, of scripture today, which is, like I said, I usually don't do that. One, because I'll probably mess up about three or four words. So if I throw in a Leroy here and there, then you'll you'll know I'm I'm struggling. No, but we're gonna we're going to um, uh, start. Uh, we're gonna go to three different portions of scripture. First, we're gonna talk about in Exodus uh, chapter uh, thirteen, verses uh, seventeen to twenty-two, um, except for nineteen. For some reason, I I have that up there, but we're not gonna do nineteen or twenty. Verse seventeen, and it came to pass when Pharaoh, you guys remember him, bad guy had uh, let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest preadventure the people repent when they see war and they just go back. Because they haven't, they, they haven't got that law yet down. When I praise God, he's going to be with me. He's going to inhabit our praises. And when God is close, what can go wrong, right? When God is near. Verse 18, but God led the people about the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Verse 21, and the Lord went before them by day 
in a pillar of cloud. Everybody say pillar of cloud. And led them the way. And by night a pillar of fire. Let's say that. Pillar of fire. And give them light. To give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. We're going to jump all the way over to the book of Acts, familiar portion of scripture, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So if you're a faster reader than I am, you can just skip ahead there, right? Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Do you understand that this guy did the same thing every day? They, the people brought him. He brought him to there. Brought him. He did the same thing every day. And then he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, verse 3. And he asked them for money. And Peter, fasting his eyes upon him with John, said this, look on us. And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. And he looked at them. I mean, a dozen thoughts just flood, but I don't know if I want to go there or not. But, but. It, it, it's I, I there's this a homeless person that lived uh, lives I guess at Walmart sometimes she's down there but she doesn't look at you she just nothing she just doesn't look she doesn't want she it's and I pray for her and it's just doesn't doesn't expect anything and you will not get anything if you don't expect something if you don't initiate something something has to change every day he went to the temple. Sister Melody, but God. Amen. So then Peter looked at him and said, hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Can anybody tell I'm fired up this morning? I'm excited about this lesson. And, he, and I'm excited about our worship service that we had during practice. I'm excited about that. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up. Now, I've never been healed of a broken bone, but I stood up from a prayer meeting in Gainesville with Brother Roberts, and my knee was healed. It felt like a knife was jabbing inside the tip of my, my uh, kneecap. We prayed. I stood up, and there was I never had that pain again. There wasn't a complete break or anything like that. Praise God. Maybe my faith shook my body, and whatever was on there just came off. Whatever it was, God healed me. Leaping up, he stood and walked in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And, all, and they took this man to church. I want to, without being uh, critical or anything, that's what we need here. We need people brought to church that we have witnessed to healed. Maybe they've been healed. Maybe they've repented. We need people to come to church. We need to bring them because there are people out there doing the same thing over and over and over again. What's the difference? Us. When we're injected into that situation, things change. Acts 3, Peter and John, they took him to church. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And you know, this is not really even about my message today, but it sort of is. So just bear with me. And they knew him because he sat there for so long. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. They didn't ridicule him. You don't, don't, don't try to put handcuffs on God and think that when you start praying for somebody, people are going to look at you funny. These guys were filled with wonder and amazement because they knew the change in his life. I'm going to do brother, brother, a brother lock. Verse, uh, let's, let's go over to, because uh, they were amazed at what happened to him. Uh, Romans 8, Brother uh, John, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But ye through the Spirit do mortify the needs of the body, ye shall live. For as many, here we go, that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God wants to lead his people. And we should be led by the spirit in all we do. Today, I want just for, um, well, you guys know the time, how long I got. Lord, lead me. Lord, put him first. Lead me. I, I know that's a little play on words. We usually lead me, Lord. I'll follow, you know, the song. But Lord, lead me. God, you are first. I don't want to go anywhere without the Lord right there. Because sometimes we put the cart before the horse. We're, come on, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Come on, come on, God, catch up. This is what I've always done. This is what I'm doing. Now lead me. I have a little scenario. Sister Pearl might not like it too much because uh, most have been in the similar circumstance where a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, you know, Sister Leslie and Brother Khan, or so they're all driving and they go to a new city. This maybe uh, th they go to a new city and and they're looking for a place, but the map is outdated that they they have right. S Sister Pearl, you, she's like the the smartest person I know. She is. Sorry, everybody else that's smart. Sorry, Brother Magamo, but you taught her. So you taught her. So uh, so so. Uh, but she oh she's a horrible co-pilot navigator. She can't. Hey, Renee, can you do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I will call her out on that every day. And it didn't just start with smartphones. Oh, no, we had the Rand McNally map trying to get to Indianapolis, going through Kentucky, Lexington, or wherever we're at. I mean, that's why are we here? We're not here. Where, where are we going? I, I had to improvise and get a CB radio for my little Honda, my little Honda Civic SI with the nice prelude rims on it. Man, I had to get that because I needed help. And Alex was too young. He was in a car seat still. Okay, so anyways, all right, so, so you know the scenario. Hey, can you want to stop for directions? No. Why would we do stop? A guy? No. Renee, oh, stop for directions? No, we don't. We're fine. We go around. You're going around, and all of a sudden, and you, and you start feeling, wait, am I on a good side of town? Where am I at? You know, I'm doing that. What, what's going on? And, and as, as, as we, our eagle rises, the gas tank kind of lowers. 
right? And we're like, well, finally, out of desperate, and you're getting anxious, and you're yelling at each other, husband and wife, mom and dad, whatever, sisters, whatever you are, you know, you're like yelling and stuff. And then, then you finally, okay, we got to get rid of our ego. Roll down the window next to your car. Hey, do you know where the widget factory is? <laughs> yeah. I'm going right there. You're in luck. And then your demeanor, everything changes. What changed? You're no closer, right, at that time, physically, but there's a difference. Now someone is leading you who did know where they were at and where they should go. Their knowledge and expertise made all the difference. Having someone who knows leading you on a new journey is incredible. It's an incredible value. As we travel through life, many times we're uncertain about our pathway. Questions might uh, spook us or haunt us from every side. What should I do? What choice should I make? Will it really get me to my destination, physically and spiritually? And, of course, we're talking spiritually. What if I go the wrong way? Thankfully, we have one who knows everything about everything. You can't ask God a question that he has to say, hang on, let me ask my co-pilot. He don't have one. He knows. He will direct us if we submit to his leading. If we break down the barrier, we get rid of our ego. We don't listen to this person when we're lost and that person's lost if they're lost. In other words, you know, back and forth. We, We don't do that. We have to make sure that we're looking in the right direction. And sometimes it's humbling to seek help from someone else, but it's okay. When we seek help from God, it's okay. I've mentioned this before. I I love training people at work, but I never, ever, and I I don't boast a lot or anything like that, so don't think my head's getting big, but I am never too smart, too, you know, computer smart, to learn something from a new person. Sorry. Mm-mm. Don't want to do that. I learned my lesson a long time ago in a Sunday school classroom when I was in a Sunday school age, and I was trying to counsel somebody, and he just called me out on whatever I was trying to tell him. And I was like, woo, that's on me. I'm wrong. And from that point on, I was like, sorry. I'm going to listen to everybody that stops me in a hallway and prays for me and so Sister Pearl was prayed for Sister D, by Sister D here, and prophesied over her, right? And Sister D was an amazing woman, all that. Uh, two years later, it came to pass, and she remembers that, or whatever it was, she remembers that prayer. You Don't, you know, allow God to use people. And of course, of course, and I'll get into that, it has to be lined up with the Word of God. God knows we don't always know our way, right? We are actually rather helpless as we seek to negotiate this uncertain world with only our our limited, our flawed human insights to guide us. Jeremiah wrote these words to make it kind of clear. Jeremiah 10.23, the first part of it, it says, It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You're walking with the Lord. It's not you that should be directing your steps. It should be God. Left to our own direction, we could make choices that lead to heartache, hurt, and chaos. I almost wrote an age here, but I didn't, did not to offend anybody. But all who lived, and now I'm just going to say, and have learned, 
have seen this demonstrated in your life. That if you don't make, you can make choices, and you make the choice, you could, it could be the wrong choice. Yes, even for God. Even, because I told you sometimes we put that cart in front of us. We've been doing it this way for so long. God's going to do it this way. God's going to do it this way. Come on, God. Come on. Well, I'm just going to do it anyways. And God, you just come. No, we've we got to understand that sometimes we do make wrong choices. If you haven't learned this, then you probably still think you know everything. That's why I was going to put an age limit on it. Yeah. That had just happened to us in the last couple of weeks. So we've had to come to grips with that in our own lives. Even God might be saying, come on, man, hurry up and learn this. However, if we trust and follow him, we have assurance that God himself will guide us through life. His guidance is perfect. Do you understand that? God's guidance is perfect. We need to never fear or question the direction he points us because God is infinite in wisdom. When the voice of the Lord comes in a direct word, a profound thought, or through the pages of the Bible, we can be sure it will never steer us wrong. God will not steer us wrong. People can steer us wrong. God's voice and his word will never steer us wrong. That's why it's so so important to pray. Now listen to this. And study the word of God yourself. And I pray that you are taking what is taught behind this pulpit or any other pulpit, that you take what is said, what is spoken, what is taught here, home, and study that. I pray that you are doing that. Study to show thyself approved. Amen. Because, because it's God wants to lead you. And we want to make sure that God is in front of the cart. God is in or the center of our lives. And so we want to make sure that everything I say today lines up with the word of God. That's what I'm saying. And so it's, it's, our, it's our obligation to, to study. Why do you think each one of the ministers that come up here and say, you know, pray? Pray, study, pray, study. Because you, you, need to, you need to know this. Because you're not only for your own salvation, be able to be a witness as well. God gives us an example of wanting to lead his, ch- his children. Uh, we saw uh, in Egypt, 400 years of slavery, the, the Israelites were delivered by the hand of God. While God was mighty, the Israelites could have been They could have. It's possible they could have been a broken people. We probably think they are because of, come on, what they did afterwards. They just didn't seem to to get in line. They didn't seem to understand the purpose. It was never God's intention just to bring them out of Egypt and circle in a desert for 40 years. But he just couldn't let them go because it sounds like they would have went right back to Egypt. And so he planned from the start to guide them from Egypt to Canaan. And he did so in an awesome, mighty way. Exodus 13, we read this early. And the Lord, in verse 21 and 22, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way and by night a pillar of fire to give them light 
and he took them not away. God desires to guide us. And that requires a trust in him. Often we will not understand his direction because his ways are so far above our ways. They are. He sometimes steers us in, a, in paths we cannot understand because he knows they are best for us. He did this exact same thing for Israel. Verses 17 in that same chapter 13. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let them go, God led them, not through the way of the land of the Philistines, because he knew their hearts. He knew the turmoil in their lives. He knew their, their putting the cart before the horse kind of attitude. He knew what they were going to do. But he took them about around through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. We sing that song, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, Psalm 23. Before I got up here, and God is a great shepherd. He's our shepherd. He desires to, to lead us, to lead us. The rooted nature of God is to lead us by his spirit in the image of God as our shepherd. Sheep are not driven, they are led. Sheep are not driven, they are led. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. Any caring shepherd would carefully choose the route uh, that his flock would take. He would select it not for his own comfort, don't not for me, but based on what is best for the sheep. Just because I'm doing it doesn't mean this is the way my sheep need to go. Where's the best water? The, the shepherd has a canteen. He has a camel flask, right? Just where's the, our Israelites that just came back? Sister Ashley and, and Brother Locke, right? Probably saw a camel over there or something like that, right? Yeah, so they, they make these, or a, a, of animal skin, they have water. That shepherd probably could go pretty far away. He could probably climb. He has, he has uh, feet that can climb over rocks and stuff, but the sheep don't. You can't make these sheep go in your direction, but you want to lead them to that direction. I hope that makes sense. I know it's kind of crazy that way, doing that. Where's the best water? the best grazing, the most secure from predators, where, which would offer the fewest dangerous passages. These questions and others like them dictate the route over which a shepherd will lead his sheep. Psalm 23 shows our relationship with God within the shepherd and the sheep theme. The shepherd leads us beside still waters. He leads us in the path of righteousness. He is with us, with us every day, in, even in the shadowy valleys. He goes before us to prepare a table where we may dine. The result of our following his leading is found in what follows us. Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How many songs are there about? Uh, back in, uh, in the old school, I used, we used to sing, Lord, uh, lift my spirit to your spirit, you know, um, be one, make me like you, Lord. You know, that... When we, what would Jesus do? I know that was a big thing in the 90s, right? But when, when we emulate, when we become Christ-like, man, people will follow us as well. They will. But we have to be Christ-like. And we got to understand, I might be able to get that rocky cliff, but 
this person, that new person, or these people here, they can't do that. So I'm going to lead them what's best for them in this way. If we follow his, follow his spirit as it leads, blessings will follow us. Yes, God will lead us by his spirit just as he led Israel. Some might argue we don't enjoy the same experience as the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire. But we have something better. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the Holy Ghost in fire. And we do not depend on some external sign. Instead, we have the spirit which directs our steps. We do not need a pancake with Jesus' face on us to tell us what to do. We don't need a side of a glass building with the image of Mary, in, like in Clearwater, Florida, in the late 90s. I don't know if you guys remember that in Florida here. I went by and saw it because I just happened to be in Palm Harbor. I said, I'm going to go do this. They had music blaring. The Catholic Church was there, everything. They thought that was the greatest, greatest thing since a pancake. But it's like you guys are leading, you're guys doing this all wrong. Romans 8.14 says this, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We, as his children, follow God. Being willing to follow God is a mark that separates his children from those who are not. That is the sad conclusion that is, is that anyone not following his leading is not living as his child. And the Bible does show us what happens when believers are spirit-led. Following the spirit of God is valuable and beneficial in our lives. And uh, we follow, if we follow him, we will not encounter unnecessary temptation, Matthew 6, 13. We will be delivered from Satan's traps, Psalms 91 talks about that, 3. And enjoy spiritual safety, Psalm 78, 53. If we follow him, we won't encounter these unnecessary temptations in our lives. If we follow him, while there can be no debate that God leads us in paths for our own good, we must also recognize he leads us in paths where we can best serve his kingdom. Psalm 23 states, we are led in paths of righteousness for his namesake, not ours. He will direct us into conversation so we can testify to maybe somebody who does not know them, him. He will lead us to encounter a hurting person to pray with. He will even order our steps about a job transfer based on what is best for his church as well as what's best for the individual. God will lead us so hurting people can be helped. That great example is what we read in the book of Acts. The spirit of God where it led Peter and John when they were making their familiar trip to the temple gates. It doesn't matter how many times you visit the grocery store and are at work where you feel you never have an opportunity to witness. Sometimes we get that way. I'll never have, man, there's nothing today, nothing today. Oh, I went to the grocery store, nothing today. I told you, that's why I emphasize that he went daily to the temple. And it sounds like Peter and John maybe went up that way too. But something happened. God will put someone in your path. It was about 3 p.m. The temple was busy. A moment of clarity came to Peter as his eyes locked 
with the lame beggar. Peter was experiencing the leading of the Holy Ghost. God was guiding him. The shepherd was leading. God had designed the lame man would be healed that day. God planned all this. He knew this is it. Do you know how many plans are out there waiting for us to walk by somebody that God has put in somebody's heart? That you might get a text in the middle of the night from somebody that you wouldn't expect it? That you might walk across paths with somebody you might know but never know? Or somebody you don't know at all? And you lock eyes or you feel something. Can I pray with you right now? And then bring them to church. Biblical. They brought him into the temple. He sat out. He never went in. He couldn't. He was, what, just one, he was there for money. But God said, nope, you're getting healed today. And I'm going to lead these men there. And Peter stood looking at the man. That famous quote came to Peter, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Because Peter and John were both sensitive and submitted to leading of God's spirit, the beggar's life was forever changed. This tells us a couple of principles here. One, they were following the Great Commission. They were out walking. They were going out to the world. They were doing that. One, they were, they, they were receptive of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit. I'm talking about us now. This is what we need to do. We need to get out there, walk around in our daily life, do the things we do, right, every day. And on the way to church, we could be Monday and bring them Sunday. Pray with people, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, and then bring them to church. That's the Great Commission. That, that is, is our responsibility. Our mission is to win the lost, to reach the lost. We have the spirit. We, we have that. God desired to accomplish ministry to the hands and voices of us. He desires, I'm sorry, today as well. His purpose mission is adding to the church. Going through life, God will guide our steps to a place in a position full of spiritual potential. We must be quick to hear and respond to his voice at any time. I've said this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but only because so I don't offend people. Sometimes, you know, we do that. Sometimes we, we put a LOL after our text so we don't offend them. Something like that. But when you encounter somebody, you don't need to tell them, hang on, I need to go pray about this for two hours or an hour or 50 minutes to see if I should witness to you. Well, that's our calling. We're there already. If we're not, we need to repent and say, God, make me an instrument of your love today. Another old song. Help me reach those others. In our morning prayer or in our prayer time here at church, well, here at church, is, 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 we're exalting God. We're praising God. We're doing that. But in our prayer time, we need to say, God, show me somebody. Yeah, I want to be ready out there. Instead of getting frustrated at a slow checkout line, look for ministry opportunities around us. Maybe somebody can't find our coupons. And so that delays you. Next thing you know, you're walking out next to somebody, and they're like wiping a tear or something. You're like, hey, what's going on? Ah, you know, my mom just, let me pray for you right now. Maybe you're stuck in traffic, right? Oh, my God, I'm stuck. In, you know what? I've done this before. I've got stuck in traffic, getting late to church, come to church. There's somebody out there needs ministering to. Or, or at work, or, or somewhere else. 
Or I'm ahead looking, looking on my phone or doing, well, probably back then I didn't have phones, but nowadays, you know, you, you, oh, hey, there's somebody, let me go up and talk to him. Hey, you're here for the thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. How's it going? How was Sunday school? We can't be embarrassed. We have to go where God leads us. God is putting opportunities to minister out in front of us. He is leading us to those. Peter did not simply become aware of the lame man's condition. He allowed God's spirit to lead him to act in faith. God got got Peter's attention to unveil his power to heal. Peter did not believe he was only there to observe. Peter knew he was to act. Now, that's a fine line. There is a flesh and spirit. Sometimes, you know what? I, I, I do not like sugar cookies. You can put them in front of me all day. Nope. Not at all. But put a peanut butter cookie in front of there, the Holy Ghost couldn't stop me. And so sometimes we're out there, and our spirit will not cross that line and go pray with somebody because we're in, we, we, just, we just can't. We don't do that. But we got to get, get over that. You know? I have no problem. And you know me coming down and praying with anybody that comes into this church. I have no problem with that. But don't, let, don't make me knock on a door. I do not like door knocking. I will, though. I, was, I think I was talking to a pastor the other, uh, the, last night. If I have to, we got to change. we got to put a little bit of change in our step here. Okay, we've been, how long? The church has been established here for a long time. Okay. So, and we're doing wonderful things. We ha, we've had a, a new pastor for eight or nine years. We're doing wonderful things. But there's a leading that needs to be led as well in our lives. As I mentioned before, whether you're in your secret place, your secret place, whether two or three, or whether you're in a prayer room in one accord, like on the day of Pentecost, God will inhabit your praise. And so what happens, do we, this, this is not in my lesson, what happens, Brother, Brother Locke, when he inhabits our praise? Do we pray? What is he doing when he's inside us, inhabiting our praise? Are we opening up our mind and our spirit for better things for him to lead us? I think so. I don't think God is just, we begin to praise and we praise more. But I don't think that's what he, he wants to inhabit, dwell, live with us, change us. Taste and see, I've mentioned that, that the Lord is new every morning. Is he new in our church? Is he new in our life? Where is God leading you? We need to understand that. Something occurred. The people wondered what in the world just happened. They were amazed, and they wondered what happened. Not only do we need to be ready to pray with people, we need to be ready to answer the questions, to know. Because they wondered there was only one or two people there that day that could tell them. And he did. And it says Peter began to witness and talk to them. And the, in the beginning of chapter 4, it says thousands were saved. They came before the Lord because of this one incident. Peter went on and witness. Do not hesitate to pray for someone in the aisle of a department store. Do not be intimidated by the world, from sharing your testimony of God's healing with somebody. Do not be timid or bashful when interacting with a server at a restaurant. 
You never know what God might have already been doing in their lives. I mentioned that earlier. He might have been planning something. And then you're there, an apostolic, filled with the Holy Ghost. If God trusts you enough to lead you to a hungry heart, you must trust him enough to put your faith into action. He was leading you in the first place to use you effectively in his kingdom for his glory. Amen. Isn't God good? He's, he's so wonderful. He is so mighty. Amen. Anybody remember who Franklin Roosevelt was? Can you tell me what president? Yeah, what number? Franklin Roosevelt was like every other world leader, right? You have to stand in line, these receiving lines. Richard, you have to shake hands. You got, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Well, he, he started getting frustrated because nobody was listening to him, it seems like. Nobody cared what he was saying. It was just, you know, they were just standing on doing this. They had the cart in front of the, the horse. They just expected the same thing. How you, so he decided to do a, a, a little, a little uh, scenario, a little experiment. There we go. And when people came by, he leaned into them and murmured, uh, I just killed my grandmother this morning. That's what, they, that's, what, that's what I heard, I read. And so he got responses like, oh, thank you. God bless you. God, you're doing a great job. And it just kept going down the line. Think, okay, God bless you. God, great, good job. Wait, thanks for inviting me. They didn't hear what he was saying. And finally got to the very end, and the ambassador for Bolivia was there. And he leaned in and he said, I just killed my grandmother this morning. And the Bolivia, went, he went like that. He went, what? And then he leaned in and he said, she probably deserved it. How often do we treat the voice of God the same way? We know God is speaking and providing direction, but we blindly continue our way without giving attention to the directions he has provided. I have done things on my own before because either my, you know, I just thought it was the best thing or somebody told me it was the best thing and it ended up not being the best thing. Because I did not seek counsel. I'm talking church stuff. I mean, there's worldly, there's stuff out there in the world too. You know, you buy a car and it's bad. Or you do this, you buy a house and there's mold. Or, you know, that stuff. I'm, but pray, you know, spiritually, I've done things. I made the choice, but I, I did it without God. Because I just thought he was going to tell me the same thing over again. He, oh, no, 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 come on. I've done this before. I'm going to keep doing this. God is directing you somewhere or uh, to something but you're used to going this way or always doing it this way. So we ignore the voice of God and instead our voice becomes God's. And we keep doing the same thing over and over like this receiving line. In the world, I talked to the pastor the night, it's called insanity. When you do the same thing over and over. In the church, it's called spiritual immaturity. When you try to do it the same way over and over again. God is new every morning. He's the same, his principles are the same, but to us, he's new every morning. And if he hasn't been new to you, if your prayer is the same, if your witness is the same, if your studying is the same, ooh, speak to me right there, you need to change it up. God, lead me somewhere else. Let me get a full knowledge. Just stand this morning. To succeed in, Christian, in the Christian walk, we must commit daily to being a follower 
of our God who leads, to listen faithfully to the voice of God as he directs our way. This means not ignoring his voice as he directs us. This means not ignoring his voice when he directs you through a different path. When we do this, we will be effective servants of God. I am not the pastor here. The different path is not different from this congregation. I am not saying that. I'm saying within the congregation, within your life, within your witness, ask God to direct you to do something new, to change something up in your life, to make that experience new again. The romantics in here, you remember they say, do something new in your relationship to, to, to spark that, right? To do that. Man, I want an intimate relationship with God. I want to taste and see that he's new every morning. I want that. I want to trust in the Lord so he will lead me. If we do this, we'll be affected servants of the king, of our king. If we do not, we will fail in doing the same thing over again, which, I, as I mentioned, is a telltale sign of spiritual immaturity. In other words, not growing personally or corporately. The church, if, church, if we fail to grow spiritually in our lives, that hinders the body of Christ growing. You can't skip that. There's a reason why we've heard the personal relationship with God. God died for you. And you are part of the church. But it begins with you. Amen. Brother Bishop mentioned the uh, brother Bishop. Bishop mentioned the other night about corporate prayer and all that. When we have a prayer life alone in our secret place with God and he leads us and then we come to corporate prayer and begin to pray with that that is where the church will grow but we got to start with tasting God and seeing something new every day in our lives ask God to bring somebody in your life the voice of his spirit will speak to us regularly and ensure that we are walking acceptable paths do not ignore God's voice for your own voice Jesus promised this before the new covenant and even even enacted it. John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit of truth now lives inside each born again believer. He will guide us. The question is, will we listen? Come on, let's reach up right now, our voices in our hands, and begin to worship and praise him. Lord, I love you, God. Lord, I want that relationship with you, God, that wherever you tell me to go and lead me, God, that I will go. Lord, I appreciate you, God. I love you, Jesus. You are amazing, God, and wonderful this morning, God. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, I love you,
Hallelujah, Jesus name. Thank you, God. 